sometimes noise is what people respond to. And that noise is not just chaos, it's pain, it is trauma, it is a frustration of dealing with the same issues over and over again and seeing our brothers and sisters being gunned down for doing nothing but breathing. So accountability is still important in that leadership. It's another Tuesday and time for another episode of the 40 Lessons Podcast. My name is Todd B. Waldo. Thanks once again for checking out 40 Lessons. This week, I have on the podcast a conversation with Yawande Austin. Got a chance to head down to Petersburg, not too far from here in Richmond, and we spread out in the backyard and were able to talk a lot about this past year, the impact it has had on Yuande, both professionally and personally. And I'm excited to share this episode with you today. We're also going to talk after that conversation. I got to share a little bit about Change International. Uh, it's one of the organizations that Yuande helps to lead. So, Let's get into this conversation with Yuande, and then after that, I'm going to tell you about Change International. Let's do it right here on 40 Lessons Podcast. It's a beautiful day. I'm in Petersburg, and I'm at this beautiful home with this beautiful woman, Yuande. Mm. Hello. Hello, my friend. <laughs> uh, first of all, it's just good to be in your presence because that hasn't mm. happened. I don't even know the last time I saw you last calendar year. Rob, you didn't live know. here. No. New home. Yes. Still in Petersburg. Yep. So it's been a minute, so it's good to see you. Good to see you, too. I saw you in Richmond, but it doesn't really matter how long it takes for me to see you. <laughs> it just always feel like I saw you yesterday. Yeah. Because you know you're one of my favorite people in the whole You're one of world. my favorite people. So, really? So before we got, before we sat down here, and mm-hmm. per, and I'm, I, you guys can't see this, but I'm drinking this really fancy sweet tea mm-hmm. with some berries mm-hmm. and stuff in it. Mm-hmm. And mint. And mints, because mm-hmm. it's fancy, because you want this fancy. <laughs> uh, we met because of TEDx RBA. Yes. I was just, I just scrolled through some old photos yeah. of that event. Really? Um, which was beautiful to have you on stage. Yeah. I remember you were so nervous. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> believes me. You, but you are, you are such a great, you are a performer. Yeah. You've been everywhere mm-hmm. across the world, mm-hmm. but like that stage. It didn't and- matter. <laughs> It, it did not matter. All of that went straight out the window. Nobody believes how scared I was that day. Yeah. I was so scared I forgot my whole talk. <laughs> Nobody believes me. But full transparency, I do it to make sure that people understand the finished product that you always see. Yeah. With the hair and the makeup. Mm, all the, the things. All, all the things. The, all the things. Mm-hmm. It don't always come out like that. And there are very often some bumps in the road. And it doesn't always look pretty when you're going from a to b that was one of my a b c o crap moments Mm -hmm. where i absolutely got on the stage and looked at the 1500 people in the audience (laughs) and saw the lights and the cameras on the doohickey and i was like i'm gonna leave i'm gonna leave i'm gonna leave and come back (laughs) Mm-hmm. And we'll try this again. Yeah. But you were that calm force through the entire process. And that's, that's what brought sweet. us together. Yes, it did. Yeah. Uh, I had Mighty Joshua on mm-hmm. um, the podcast. And mm-hmm. he and I talked about this. There's a depth to him as an artist. Yeah. You have that same depth. Like mm-hmm. what we see mm-hmm. on stage from you, mm-hmm. whether you're singing, speaking, performing, whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like the roots of that are so, so very deep. Mm. Um, and I'm wondering, as you think about your work now mm-hmm. and all that's happening in the world, how, how do you draw from that deep well? Like, how did that show up? Because mm. it is like it's all these experiences, all the places you've been. You keep drawing on that. Yeah. To do the work you do every single day. Yeah. But can I tell you, someone was saying this the other day when I was sharing in full transparency, because that's what I do. Mm-hmm. I don't really know how to just put on the pretty face. And it's put <laughs> on. 
She don't it, wake up. She don't wake up looking and like it's very this. Pretty. <laughs> I appreciate that, but I think that that's a metaphor for life. Yeah. We don't wake up with all of the answers, mm-hmm. but somehow through the process of the challenges, I think that I've gone through since, quite honestly, I was a little girl. I have always learned that there is another set of experiences that are waiting for you. I will never forget when I was very little and um, my mom had divorced my biological father Mm -hmm. and she saw I was really struggling through that. I mean, as a wee little bitty girl, four, five, six, I've always had this really big heart Mm -hmm. and very sensitive to pain and struggle. So as strong as my mom was, don't think for a minute that I didn't still feel Mm -hmm. something from that. As a matter of fact, very early on when she left my dad, I lived in a closet. Mm. Not a lot of people know that. She got her money together to get a one-bedroom condominium, bless her heart. Mm. I don't know how she even did that back in the early 70s. And um, that's all she could afford. And my bedroom was the closet in her room. Mm. And I had but a mattress and a bookcase, but always had the basic essentials that I need. Mom always made sure I had what I needed. Mm -hmm. But in the midst of my struggle, I will never forget her pulling me aside and reminding me two very important lessons that have served as the ethos of all of my work around the world. One, you don't have to be defined by your circumstances. Mm -hmm. And two, you can be better because of what you have overcome. Mm. Amen. Mm -hmm. So through this process, this pandemic that has impacted every single human being around the world Mm -hmm. i must tell you i struggled at first (laughs) yep i did we all did i think that a lot of people have been shocked when i share how much i have struggled through this process because i Yawande, honorary U.S. cultural ambassador. I, Yawande, <laughs> producing socioeconomic empowerment programs that mm-hmm. meet vulnerable people in the darkest moments in their lives in 30 countries around the world. I, Yawande, that has served presidents and worked with governments and major organizations and done a TED Talk that she almost <laughs> completely messed up. Yeah. <clears throat> like... If you are the one who's going around the world telling people how to come out of their darkest moments and recognize the greatest parts of themselves and step into the light and write the Mm. best chapter of their lives, you can't be struggling. Oh, let me tell (laughs) you. I was set up to produce programs in eight countries internationally. And interestingly enough, I had decided this was going to be my last year doing what I do the way I do it. This 2020 was going yes, to be Yes, yeah. 2020 was going to be the last year of me as a social entrepreneur mm-hmm. doing what I do because, you know, even being a light in the world, sometimes our light dims and yeah. it has become exhausting right. to me physically, financially. We mm-hmm. make all kinds of sacrifices that most people just aren't privy to. Mm-hmm. And I want to do this work until the day I die, but I said I got to do it differently. So this was going to be my last year. Eight new African nations, including Mm -hmm. Australia. I'm going to go out with a bang. Then I'm going to get back around to focusing on some unfinished pieces that I've been working on for a while, a Mm -hmm. book that I've been writing for five years, a a documentary about human trafficking, and get a regular check somewhere. (laughs) I am not too ashamed to tell you. Regular checks are good checks. Heller. (laughs) That was my plan. The universe had a different plan. And so with all of the work I had invested in producing, preparing for the programs that I was scheduled to produce in Mm -hmm. those eight months, that was time gone. That was money gone. That was people that I was about to let down who depend on me gone. Mm. And the problem solver had to figure out how to solve one of the biggest problems that she has ever faced. And so it was difficult. First two months, I won't lie, I was making brownies about every week, maybe every (laughs) other week, cornbread muffins, (laughs) whatever I could do to release this sadness and this overwhelm until I went back to those lessons. Not only the lessons my mother had taught me, but the lessons that I have taught people around the world. I had to become a student Mm -hmm. of my own work fast because the call stopped, the Mm -hmm. contracts were canceled, Mm -hmm. 
as much as I try to encourage some of my clients to, we can do this, we can turn this around, and this can be transformational. Let's do this program in South Africa virtually with over 300 leaders that I was supposed to train from 37 countries. These were moments I had really prepared for. And when you give, as you know, Mm -hmm. when you give all that you have, you lose a bit of yourself when those moments don't come come through. So I had to make a decision to pivot really quickly. And so becoming a student of my own Uh, work that I have taught others, I have pivoted pretty well, Todd. Yeah. um, Whenever I send you a text Mm -hmm. or I call you. Yeah. First of all, I don't know where you are on the planet. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But I always am cognizant of the cost Mm. to your mind, to your soul, and to your body. Yeah. For what you do. Mm. So most of mine are like, are you okay? Yes, always. Did you eat? Yes. You take a nap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> how's your heart? You asked about heart? my heart. Yeah. Just because I this is, you sacrifice so much yeah. to do what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wonder in this pivot, mm-hmm. in this new space, mm-hmm. what's going to secure that for you? Like, mm. have you figured out... Because my reminding you is, I know it, that you sacrifice yourself. Yes. So it's a little prompt to, hey, don't forget, mm-hmm. take care of you while you're taking care of other people. I know, it's so sweet. But like, how are you going to prop up and secure, mm-hmm. now that you've pivoted, now that you got it, Yeah. what's going to secure that for you? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So in my pivot, mm-hmm. with all of the curriculum that I have produced and presented internationally, I decided my pivot needed to speak not only to the challenges that I was now facing in this new world, Mm -hmm. but the challenges that I knew everybody else is facing. And so I've developed a a series of new programs that are helping people not only to navigate the emotional and psychological impact Mm -hmm. and financial impact of this pandemic, but the other aspects of this pandemic that I think the universe has been listening to. Mm. And that is we have not been good stewards of our humanity. We have not treated each other well. I don't think this virus is by accident. It is this universal collision Mm. of the coronavirus, of systemic racism, which we've been battling for 400 years. Hello, these are not new battles. But it would seem that in the midst of the frailty that we have now seen in each other in this virus, we're sharing the same space with another person could mean that you may kill them accidentally, just sharing the same air. Mm. That's heavy. And I think we've begun to draw these parallels to how racism impacts us on a cellular level. Mm. We understand how corruption in this country that certainly was brought to a head in 2016. Mm -hmm. It was at least the start of the head. Mm. And now it's a full grown pustule. I'm just like, (laughs) I know that was really gross. That was gross. It fits though. Hello. That was the start. If that was the blackhead, this is the, it's about to explode. And we all feel that weight, right? Of this triple pandemic. How do we navigate through that? And so one of the courses I've developed is called Creative Capital. Recognizing Mm. the intellectual, mental, creative, Mm -hmm. environmental, experiential capital that you bring to the table to help you pivot these really difficult moments. And within that, I said, well, what does that mean? Because what do you do once you recognize what your creative capital is? Mm -hmm. How do you show up in the world? How do people respond to you? Is there a demand for who you are and what you do? How can you leverage that Mm -hmm. to help you turn the corner? And I came up with the fact that all of it requires us to be leaders, to be leaders of our own lives. And based on that core word of lead, I recognized L leading courageously, because has this not required a whole lot of courage for us to step outside of ourselves and to um, part with the life that we knew before. Mm -hmm. It's gone. (laughs) Can I say that? Say that one more time for the people. (laughs) The life that we knew before is gone. 
we will never experience the life that we had before this pandemic hit us in this generation. In the past 100 years, it has been a catastrophic ordeal for every single human being. Here's the blessing in that. There's some things we weren't doing too tough right. in the life before. Yeah. We were not being good stewards of each other. Mm -hmm. We were turning our head away from racism. Some of us that have been impacted by racism have been complicit in racism happening because we didn't raise our voices when we had those jobs and we knew we were not speaking up mm -hmm. for ourselves because we wanted to keep that job. We knew when we were passed over for that raise and it was given to someone else that was white, even though we were 10 times more qualified or work 10 times harder. Mm -hmm. We knew that in order to keep the job, yeah. if you want to keep the job, mm -hmm. you better sit in your space and go along with what's happening. Or when our work was stolen, I've had so much work stolen in front of me, credit taken by my white colleagues. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I had to sit there and take it. Because how do I deal with this and hold them accountable, but still keep the opportunities that I have? So the life we had before is gone, mm -hmm. but we have new opportunities to create the life and the world that we want. So leading courage courageously. E for evaluating, evaluating everything that we did do really well, yeah. comparing that to some of the actions that we took that did not serve us. Mm -hmm leaving those behind, and also engaging in conversations with our friends. We talked fairly early on in the process. I talked with a lot of friends early on, like, how are you doing? What are you doing? Mm -hmm. How can perhaps some of the resources that I've been researching benefit you? Yeah. Um, and if it's nothing more than to have that connection with another person to say, I'm here, I get what you're going through, and you are not alone mm -hmm. right and a for accountability we've got to take accountability for our actions and the energy that we choose to invest into these new ideas that we have developed out of that evaluation mm -hmm. period right so there are certainly some days that we would rather just do netflix and chill all day you can't do that <laughs> not every right day. <laughs> Every day. You can do it some days. <laughs> not every day. Not, not every day. <laughs> so we have to, especially in this, um, this very high racial climate, we also have to hold each other accountable. A lot of conversations I have with my white friends. We, we can talk about this a little bit later, about the racial tension in this country now. Mm-hmm. Well, why aren't we? And interestingly enough, today we recognize the 57th anniversary of the March on Washington yeah. that was led by Dr. Martin Luther King. And I have heard from a few of my white friends, well, Dr. King didn't tear down the monuments. Dr. King didn't vandalize things. And Dr. King, and I said, yeah, but check this out. Y'all shot Dr. King. <laughs> yeah. That didn't work. And secondly, that this is a battle we've been fighting for 400 years, at least in this country, right, on this soil. And so sometimes noise mm -hmm. is what people respond to. And that noise is not just chaos. It's pain. It is trauma. It is a frustration of dealing with the same issues over and over mm -hmm. again and seeing our brothers and sisters being gunned down for doing nothing but breathing. So accountability is still important in that mm -hmm. leadership. And then the D for deliver. I haven't always been a really good steward of this because I kind of overanalyze <laughs> a lot. Maybe that was my problem <laughs> with my TED talk. So just because the teacher says do this, well. It, does <laughs> it doesn't mean the teacher always execute at the same level she expects her students to do that. But D, deliver and deliver quickly. And I want everybody who hears this to hear me really clearly. If we have learned no other lesson, life is short. Yeah. And we have to be able to get to that solution. The quicker, I should say, that you can arrive to that solution and execute your plan uh, that's going to help you to successfully pivot, the further along you will be. Because this pandemic, it's not going anywhere, unfortunately, for a while. Yeah. Um, I have heard in Virginia alone, uh, the numbers have certainly gone down quite a bit, and Virgi that's good. Virginia's but the, okay. We've been yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, but, 
Yeah, I mean, until we get a trusted vaccine and then learn what the virus is even going to do through different changes in the climate and all the Absol- things. Absolutely. Yeah. We have no idea. Yeah. So the virus itself isn't going anywhere right away. Yeah. Um, so I think that some of us have also been sitting back and waiting, collecting those checks <clears throat> mm-hmm. and saying, oh, I get to chill. No, you don't get to chill. This is a, a really important time for yeah. you to rebuild and or add on to what you were doing before and use this as an opportunity again to take that next step into creating the world that you yeah. you want to live in. I, w- I wonder if you're in a similar place to um, so many other wonderful black people that we know mm-hmm. in, in, in Richmond and I'm sure here in Petersburg too. Mm-hmm. For many of us, the pandemic exposed what we knew was already there. Yes. Different energy in these streets, right? Um, I mourned Ahmad mm. more than what happened to Brianna, more than what happened to George. Mm. Like I, I deeply mourned Ahmad because I'm a runner. You're a runner. I'm a runner. I go yes. in the neighborhood, so I that one hit me in a much different way yeah. than the other two. Yeah, I spent time with the Floyd family. That was amazing mm. to just be mm. near them, mm. and then we got this week. Yeah, right. Many of my friends and colleagues are just so exhausted Mm -hmm. but that exhaustion has turned into this deep deep commitment Mm -hmm. that no matter what we do yes we're gonna be good for black people yes and it's invigorated us Mm -hmm. like we ain't got time Mm -hmm. we ain't got time to waste let's just get to it Mm -hmm. are we gonna work together we're gonna do it what's gonna happen you doing it where we at what we doing right so it's just stirred something in us Mm -hmm. that is different than what has happened before Mm. and i wonder if some of that Mm -hmm. is in in your in your framing of this of 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 lead and of of the pivot that you've experienced i Mm -hmm. wonder if that's if that's in there too sure 100 percent. so feeling pain yeah sorrow joy on the level that i do i don't know if i can say that it's um, unlike anybody else as humans we feel deeply but I don't know maybe as an artist because yeah. you're an artist too as an artist thing I think we do feel things differently yeah. how about we mm-hmm. say that yeah. not better deeper more profoundly but just differently so I take everybody's pain to heart yeah. and uh, I, I certainly had an opportunity to just throw out courses that I've already done before and something in me said no as you go through this search and rescue mission of your spirit Mm -hmm. lord and back away from the brownies (laughs) you know that there are other people that are experiencing similar pains uh, a sense of loss that you are and so it's important that uh, these programs um, specifically speak to the challenges that they're experiencing Um, I certainly have also trained uh, quite a few of my colleagues about how I've been getting my programs online. Um, I've been working with other organizations internationally and developing a curriculum also that is helping those organizations to be better servants of girls and women in particular Mm. who are already struggling um, on the continent of Africa but uh, unfortunately are experiencing a deeper level of disparity than they were before. I I deal with populations where children and girls in particular are currency. And so what we witness in the humanitarian world is uh, an uptick in the selling of girls through human trafficking. I've had to send money to prevent my IDP coordinator's 11-year-old sister from being sold into an early marriage from her parents because Mm -hmm. they say that she's a a problem child. But what it is is that she's currency. They can get money for her. And so I have developed curriculum specifically around that. Again, other people's pain, suffering, confusion, looking for answers. And so I've been executing quite a bit of that programming online as well. And I think to your point, we realize that we are so much more responsible for each other than ever before. Mm -hmm. I don't think most people understand, especially when it comes, Todd, to the work I do internationally. I couldn't tell you how many people ask me, well, why do you do work in Africa? 
and aren't you scared in Africa? Mm-hmm. And what's in Africa? <laughs> and, you know, my answer is very simple. Number one, I go where the demand is for my work, where people appreciate it, and where I also see it being applied. And um, uh, it's, it's amazing to see the communities that I do work with in Africa. I work with them here in America, too, but it seems like Africa gets a lot more attention mm-hmm. because it seems so far away yeah. to most of us. Right. Mm -hmm. And we can bring that to our connection as African-Americans, how disconnected we uh, have been historically from Africa. But no, don't let Trump say. Refer to those s-hole countries. Oh, he can't say that. Well, wait a minute now. What's in Africa? Mm -hmm. Right. Or the fact that when we saw those beautiful sunsets about two months ago, that was as a result of the sands from the Sahara Desert traveling all the way to the United States and just glowing the sky. That was from Africa. We're connected. There is a virus, intentional or not, biological warfare, experiment gone wrong from China that in less than 30 days has infected the world. So we are all very deeply connected and realize that as quickly as as a virus can be spread from human to human contact, Mm -hmm. we also have the power to touch, to listen, to feel, to encourage each other and make that difference through love. I wonder if you can sense the difference between there, there is a very specific experience of, of black people in this country, mm-hmm. right? But hate human to human. Mm-hmm. That's the whole planet. Sure. Whole planet has sure, that. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I wonder what the distinction is about like the, like this continent's experience with that kind of hate uh-huh. and how different that really is. Yeah. From what we, because you you've been to most of this of this planet, like you've mm. seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I just wonder, like, how different is our experience? Because mm-hmm. also we think like no one else has had like we have. Right. right. I just wonder. I don't know if is are we that unique in the world mm-hmm. based on the places that you've been. Right. Such a good question. I was thinking about this just the other day because you would notice that most of the con- conversation around systemic racism is based in the United States. Yeah. And that is because, number one, we are still a very young country compared we to are. others. Hmm? Yeah, we are. Number two, because this country was strategically and systematically built on the backs of Africans and those of us of African descent for free. Mm-hmm. Slavery. Slavery. Number three, that we often forget, and I would dare you in the past week of all of the news headlines that, that have hit the papers and online Mm -hmm. and on the airwaves, do we dare even talk about the first peoples of this country Mm -hmm. that had developed a highly, highly civilized communities across this country for over 5,000 years before Columbus discovered America Mm -hmm. and were almost completely eliminated from this country. The sins of this country, I think, speak to people internationally in a very different way. Like, oh, how could they do that? Mm. But other countries have experienced their own sins. I I think that, you know, it's like, how do you qualify or quantify someone's pain? Yeah. Your pain is different than my pain. No, pain is pain. A sin is really sin. Mm. But the way that this country was built on the backs of people who whose lives were seen as having no value. Yeah. I think that's shocking to, to most people. But I've experienced racism in other countries. I will never forget a trip I was coming back from 
France, I was teaching at the University of Lille, this mm-hmm. little, little town in France, a couple of hours outside of Paris, and interestingly enough, went there to teach students from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Hmm. Again, <laughs> we are, hello, had to go to France right. to teach Congolese students. The world is so small. Yeah. My gosh. So, but I had to fly out through Belgium. And I remember getting on the flight. And, you know, you're always excited to get into your seat from, yeah. a, you know, when you're going on a year international flight, especially from Europe. It's going to be hours. I get to relax. <laughs> I've worked hard. I get to eat the little trade meals and watch my movies. And I put the bag up in the overhead bin. And a woman across the aisle from me got up. And she said, your bag is next to mine. Like, yeah. I said, yes, ma'am, there's no other space over there. But you're sitting over there. Your bag cannot be next to mine. It is touching my bag. And I'm like, this woman has lost <laughs> her ever-loving mind. And me trying to be right. calm in the situation, because sure. I know I've done nothing wrong. Right. I said, well, ma'am, there's no other room. And furthermore, I don't recall there being a law that I couldn't put my bag up there. I promise you... My bag is not going to hurt your bag. <laughs> They're going to be nice to each other. It's going to work out. It's okay. And I remember telling her, it's okay. It is not okay. You are sitting over there. You cannot put your bag. At this point, flight attendants start coming because she has raised a ruckus. Yeah. This is a white European woman. And they say, ma'am, she hasn't done anything wrong. It's okay for her bag. <gasps> no, she is upsetting me. It's touching my bag. And it finally occurred to me, this sister don't want her stuff touching a black woman's belongings. Yeah. And it, I started in that moment getting a little fiery yeah. in my heart mm-hmm. as much as I was getting sad. Yeah that we're about to be on the same plane. And just in case you had not recognized at 20, 30,000 feet in the air, if this crashes, we all going to die. Yeah. Where humans have developed this sense of I'm better than you, that we should be separated. When all of our experiences, being in the plane together, being able to support one another versus our choice of creating division Mm -hmm. at 30,000 feet in the air. If we go down, we're all going down. But we have such a unique opportunity during these 13 hours of being together to create a different connection. So why humans default to that fear-based behavior Mm -hmm. versus an opportunity to connect, I will never fully understand, but here's what I do know. Humans were not born racist. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely a byproduct of the way society has conditioned us. But just as we have been engineered to separate ourselves, we can re-engineer our way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, once that woman calmed down and other passengers on the plane calmed her down as well, and I I chilled and Mm -hmm. said, that's her problem, it's not mine. When that plane landed Todd, she struggled to get her bag out of the bin. And I, without a second thought, said, can I help you? Mm. And she looked at me like, the (laughs) hell? I know this N-word didn't just offer to help me after I, yes, I did. I didn't think twice about it, Todd. I'm not exaggerating. I did not think twice because I felt badly for her. Mm -hmm. I feel so badly that you wouldn't take the time during our time on this flight before or during to connect to me on a deeper level instead of think instinctively fear, instead of instinctively thinking less than Mm -hmm. valuable than me, that I was a threat on some level. And um, she did get shocked out of her white skin. I think I may have (laughs) seen her turn a little black that day. (laughs) She she said, no, but thank you. Mm -hmm. I said, okay. But in those moments, we have an opportunity to change the way people look at themselves and how we look at each other, how we look at ourselves and how we look at each other. So I've had so many moments like that internationally. In Africa, 
While my African colleagues and friends have certainly called me up, texted me, WhatsApped me, mm-hmm. Facebook messengered me saying, what in the hell is going on in America? I find that equally interesting that they look at our conflict between white, black, and other uh, ethnic marginalized populations here in the U.S., but they don't look at their own stuff. There you have tribal conflict. So it's not racism, but it certainly is discrimination Mm -hmm. that has systematically predetermined what every individual station is going to be in life. So if you are a part of the Igbo tribe or Yoruba tribe, that has already identified the Igbos as wealthier, the Yoruba as um, smarter, right? Mm. And then there's the other one I'm forgetting right now. Oh, my goodness. My Nigerian friends would be so, so disappointed <laughs> in me right now. They keep, they'll give you some Right, advice. right. Okay. But then there are the others that they say, oh, they're the swindlers. They're the ones who are doing all of the what they call 411 calls who are um, fraudulent, mm-hmm. right, fraudulent activity that they're responsible for. And so that determines where you're going to be economically, socially, culturally. So it's interesting they don't look at their own system. Mm-hmm of a hierarchy that they have created that determines whether someone is going to have access to opportunities to thrive as an African Mm -hmm. or whether you will will forever be condemned to living in the villages or the slums. So we all got our stuff. I tell you, (laughs) there are isms around the world. It seems to go hand in hand with humanity, but I do believe, because I've seen the changes that you're talking about, right? as we hold each other accountable in lead, we do have a very unique opportunity to be open to learning and listening differently to each other Mm -hmm. and learning ways that we can grow during this time. Yeah. Yeah. The, the 2020, the start of 2020 Mm. was exciting. Well, yeah. for some people. For okay. some people, it was like, yay, 2019 is over. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm over 19, so 2020 is going to be great. Uh, but this year started, uh-huh. like my first memory is being sad about Kobe Bryant. Mm, this is true. Yeah. And it was Grammy weekend. You know, I was texting with my friends out in LA. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, we, they're doing the Grammys. Like, I'm there. I was like, how are they going to do the Grammys? And it's all. So, mm-hmm. but we started there. Yeah, you're right. We get through that. Uh, we get to February. We hear about this thing happening mm-hmm. over. It's like maybe it's coming. I don't know if it's coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. By the time we hit the end of February, like things yes. are closing, yep. things are shutting down. Yep. We get into March, and it's like yeah, things are really, really going to stop. And it's like everybody just stay home. Mm-hmm. Everybody stay home. Get on Instagram. Let's turn up. Let's have a party. Mm-hmm. Let's do all the things. Is that what you were doing? You were turning up the first month? No, oh, I okay. no no <laughs> no. Mar- I I got off social. I was mm-hmm. off social for mm-hmm. most of March. Were you? Yeah. Okay. I couldn't do it. Mm. Couldn't do it. Okay. It February I watched I just watched things go away. Yeah. You know, and you know, running your own company, doing your own thing, and you watch contracts go away. Yes. You watch gigs and engagements yes. go away. You just watching money go out the yes. door. And as I as much as I advise leaders on like business continuity and risk mitigation, yes. no one had a plan for a pandemic. Yes. Nobody. Uh, so by the time I hit March, I'm, I'm just, it's, it's loneliness, it's, it's fear, it's all these things. Yeah. And just watching people on the internet just like chill and have fun. Yeah. I ain't got time for that. Yeah, I understand. I I, so I just put it away. Mm-hmm. But so we're there. So we have, we have, we start with Kobe, we get into this thing, mm-hmm. and every day we're shown numbers. Mm-hmm. Across the planet, people are dying. But we yeah. can't mourn the way we normally mourn. We can't yeah. grieve the way we normally grieve. Mm-hmm. That's what we've done most of this year. And that, to me, when you get to George Floyd's murder, folks yeah. are like, I can't, right. I can't, right. I can't, I can't anymore. This is too much. It's too much. Yeah. Um, and my, I don't know if this, this, it's a little bit of a fear, but I'm trying mm-hmm. to turn that fear into a, to some, some kind of action. Yeah. The fear is the push to go back to air quote normal. Mm-hmm. Is going to drive too much. Like we have mm-hmm. to keep bringing up injustice and yes. the bonds against black people. We have to keep mm-hmm. pushing because you just want to go back to not talking about it. You mm-hmm. just want to go back to hanging out and living your life. And I'm not going to let you do it. No, no, no. You just want the protest to be over. Mm-hmm. Nah, we, we, we got to keep pushing. Especially after seeing what happened to Jacob Blake. There's no way. I think people thought 
for real, mm. tearing down monuments. Yeah. Having monuments even. Black squares removed. on Instagram. Are we good now? Yep. Hey, hey, hey. I made my statement. Hey. <laughs> Racism's mm. not over? Marching every day. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of the vandalism that took place, which we know happened at the hand of mainly a lot of looters, but some folks that were taking advantage of the situation, I think folks did think this is not the end of racism, mm. but certainly we're not going to go backwards. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not the end, but there's no way anybody in this country will have the audacity to go backwards until that police officer absolutely unapologetically did not even try to hide yeah. what his hate was obviously for jacob blake who was not causing any conflict who was uh with the police or well there may have been an issue with the two women but we don't know all that yet and that don't matter, doesn't matter. right doesn't, oh no 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 it absolutely yeah. doesn't matter yeah. but was not creating any conflict with the officers was not carrying around an assault weapon was not trying to flee the scene, yeah. but just to get back to his kids yeah. and to be so cowardly mm -hmm. shot in the back seven times. I think that is the wake up call again, that, that at some point, you know, what we have to remember, if I can digress for a moment, is that humans are deeply flawed. Right. And it has taken us over 20,000 years <laughs> <coughs> to get to this moment. And I don't want anybody to believe that racism is going to be eradicated in the next year, five years, or ten years. Todd, it pains me to tell you that I don't think that we're going to see it eradicated in our lifetime. Mm. Yeah. We don't have that much left on the planet. I don't know. I know I look like I got like... <laughs> About 50 more years, but that is not my reality. I don't think we're going to see it in our lifetime. But I do think that especially with this current generation growing up yeah. and witnessing um, the enthusiasm and the renewed commitment around fighting against injustice of any kind. Mm -hmm. And this is not a fight just for those of us of African descent. It is for those that identify as LGBTQ, American Indians who have yet to receive a check from the government. They haven't gotten their stimulus check yet. Had not been written. Yeah. I think that this generation is going to see not on our watch we can't continue to let our children one day grow up in this same dynamic where just marching that uh, a young white man can walk freely mm -hmm. with his assault weapon and gun down peaceful protesters. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot on the line in November. And, mm -hmm. and part of that is, in some respects, it's like what you think about democracy. Like, is this mm -hmm. OK mm -hmm. to have a leader the way that we do? Mm -hmm. um, I, I I agree with you that you know my hope is that that you know my daughter and her friends just have a different experience. Mm -hmm. um, I did an episode with my girl. Uh, it got it got dropped today, mm. uh, but she talks about she was in Camp Diva and Girls for Change, and mm -hmm. it was great for her this summer. Mm -hmm. uh, but they talked about the experience of being bullied, mm -hmm. being bullied because of brown girls, mm. and. My lovely, beautiful, empathetic child is just, she's distraught just telling the story because mm. she's connected to her own pain. Yeah. Because when she was young, she got picked on because she's a young brown girl. Yeah. Now, that's horrible. Yeah. It's absolutely horrible. Absolutely. And at the same time, I know that part of my job and her mom's job is to prepare her. Mm-hmm. And that's what we talked about over dinner. Like, I'm just trying to get you ready when people say stuff to you and you know they're wrong. Yeah. You know they're wrong. Yeah. But what do you do with that, right? Mm -hmm. So we can have a good sense of self mm -hmm. and a good idea of who we are. Mm -hmm. But I think part of our work is just kind of, let me at least give you a shot at to what you can do with this. It's great to be in the street, yeah. but some of you got to get elected. And some of you need to run a business. Sure. And some of you need to be artists. Sure. Uh, I, I wonder, is that is that what gives you a little bit of hope? That one, they're exposed to something different, but two... Like, we still have time yeah. to pour something into them that they have a chance of living a life that was different than what you and I have experienced. 100%. So th there are two thoughts that I have. Number one, that um, 
the youth that I work with around the world, as much as I love working with the adults too, the youth are the ones that constantly reinvigorate me and remind me that anything is possible interceding just with one person interceding. I'm one person. Mm -hmm. I have an organization, but mainly a lot of contractors. It's really mainly me doing this work around the world. And I couldn't tell you how many different youth have reached out to me over the years and shared. You remember that lesson that you taught when I was in an orphanage? And you told me I could be anything that Mm -hmm. I wanted to be. And you taught me the steps. Well, guess what? I'm in agricultural development now. I'm doing exactly what I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. Or I'm a nurse now. Or I had an organization doing exactly what you do. Or bringing me back to a country. Children I worked with who were in orphanages in Africa, whose parents had died from AIDS and other treatable illnesses that they just didn't have access to medicine Mm. to to treat. They now have organizations that have brought me back, Mm. saying, help prepare us for the next chapter. So there are certainly those reminders that I get every single day with the young people I work with. The other is that we have a lot more access to resources Mm. than some folks have admitted. Mm. And amazing how the world came up with $3 trillion. (laughs) Am I the only one? Facts. $3 trillion to treat a virus that is six months old when we've been fighting racism for 400 years. Mm Somebody don't want this to change. Mm. And I think that the sooner that we can also teach our children, your child, to forgive some people for their behavior because they've been so deeply conditioned, that's all they know. Mm. How about the fact that I used to get beaten up on the playground because my tail is so light? We are always going to have these battles. People don't like different. They've been trained that way. But the sooner we can teach our children that this is just a fault of human beings Mm -hmm. that comes from a default mechanism that is 20,000 years old to reject anything that is different from you, but that you still have the ability to touch that person's heart, like that woman on the plane. You still have the ability to assume leadership roles within that organization and change uh, strategies as well as systems within that organization that open up doors for people that look like you and me. You still... Yes, that's bad, but you still Mm. have the power within yourself to change the injustices that we see. We do. And so with those three trillion dollars, let me get back to the three trillion (laughs) dollars, because that was stunning to me. That was in about the first three months that the world had invested into uh, not only fighting the pandemic, but funneling money into homes to keep the economy alive around the world and to start researching a vaccination. Mm -hmm. If that money had only been properly, fairly distributed to every single human being on this planet, Todd, can you imagine if we had done the work before we had to get to damage control? that the people that I serve in Africa would not be put in a position to think about having to sell their children. But if they had been properly given housing and access to education and to health care the way they needed to. I've also had to send money to Nigeria for women who have given birth within the businesses that I fund because if they don't have money when they give birth in the hospitals, they are held prisoner Mm. in the hospital for not being able to pay the bills. This is the kind of world we're living in. That doesn't happen in the U.S., but now they're coming for you, though. If you don't pay your bill, they can take your house. They can take your car. And then how are you supposed to, if you're barely making it, then how are you supposed to get by and make sure that you can take care of your family? Something is deeply flawed, not only within our system economically, but morally, Mm. that I think we are all being awakened to, that we need to be more accountable for each other, for every single human being. Now, I don't know how much is left in the global budget, (laughs) but I certainly think that that the powers that be have got to take a closer look at uh, how and who they are serving with this excessive amount of wealth that does exist, but is not getting to the people who need it. The food lines across this country, out of control, 
the evictions that started taking place last month yeah. out of control. Yeah. yeah. We got to do better for each other. You're right. Um, we got stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to eat some food. You need to yeah. have another conversation. Yeah. Uh, I, we could talk all day. Yeah. But uh, I just I appreciate you as a as a mm. friend and for the work you do and for this beautiful porch and this big old tree. Can I tell you about that tree? <laughs> tell me. Yeah. The, what is what's this, up with the, this? Is a ginkgo tree. A ginkgo tree. We'll have to take a photograph with the ginkgo we'll tree. Take, we'll take okay. A photo yeah. With so everybody tree. can see it. Yeah. Ginkgo trees originate from Asia. Mm. This is one of the two oldest ginkgo trees in the entire Commonwealth of Virginia. Wow. Okay. And it shades not only this house, which is 200 years old, but the former slave quarters that are right behind us, wow. which I think is amazing. And I'll take you in there to take a look, too. You cannot, uh, the, the, the timing, I tell you, of life, you cannot live in this space. Yeah and behold something as magnificent as that ginkgo tree and as profound as having a slave quarters outside of your home. Mm. I cannot walk through these halls every single day. I cannot go into the quarters without thinking about the horrific things that Mm -hmm. happened here and not make some kind of a commitment that as bad as things are, Mm -hmm. woo. Can you imagine being forced to serve the family that lived here? By the way, one of the owners is the uh, was the founder of St. Christopher's Boys School Mm. in Richmond. His name is inscribed with the year that he lived here, 1865, I believe, on one of the window panes. I'll show you that as well. Wow! So so much history here, and a constant reminder that we can't go back. We can only go forward, but um, our children deserve it. Our ancestors Mm -hmm. deserve to see us standing in the gap and to know that their lives were not in vain. And we've got to do it not just for this generation, but the work that I do, I can say, is really for the next generation after I'm gone. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. If you don't follow Yawande Austin, it's official Yawande on that social. And one of the organizations that she is leading is Change International. So you got to make sure you follow Change International, changeinternational.org. They're leading the fight for gender equality, equal opportunity, equal compensation, equal education, housing, and healthcare. These are fundamental human rights. And they are denied to over 70% of the girls and women across the globe. And Yuwande has been doing work for years to counter these disparities. These disparities leave girls and women 10 times more vulnerable to abuse, domestic violence, human trafficking, and a lifetime of poverty. And Change International is doing something about that. You can learn more about them and that work and how you can support it and how you can be a part of it changeinternational.org go check them out changeinternational.org as always I hope that you are doing your best to take care of yourself maintain your self care and let's do our best to take care of each other we got another episode coming for you next week so stay tuned come on back 40 lessons podcast thank you guys so much Take care.